This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. glad that the uh, the theme of the advent candle lighting and uh, 
this song that we just heard and you know just the whole service so far it's been talking about hope and light in the darkness and all of that and that's such such a powerful part of the story of the coming of God as a baby who became a man um open your bibles please to 1st John chapter 1 and we'll get there in a little bit <clears throat> But we're going to kind of take the long way around getting there. The beginning of the story of God's relationship with the world is actually found in the first verses of the Bible. Kind of an obvious place to find it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it tells us the process of how that happened. Verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. So the story starts with the world in darkness. Before God steps into the story, everything is darkness. And that's the way the story starts for all of us. Our lives, formless and empty, and darkness covers us. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2 said, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people's. Psalm 51, verse 5, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And so we start the story of creation and the story of each of us starts with darkness, which is not a good place to start really, you know. Uh, but that's the fact of the matter. That's where we started. That's where we are on our own. <clears throat> and as I say to the youth group very often on Wednesday nights, Without Jesus, we are all of us hopelessly, desperately lost. And we're wandering in the darkness. And without Him, that's it. That's all there is. And that makes a lot of sense to a lot of us. Because unfortunately, we've experienced the darkness firsthand and up close. And we would like to turn away and ignore it. But the fact of the matter is, it's there. Have you ever been to a place that you're used to going, a very familiar place, uh, that's usually well lit when it was all dark and all shut down? I actually come here to the church fairly often and work when the church is all shut down and everything's, all the lights are off and it's dark around here. Um, now, Jeremy Oring is really jumpy. And uh, if you don't know that, that's just a free tip. If you ever want to scare the socks off of somebody... Jeremy Oring is probably your guy. Um, you can get him to just shriek. I mean, I really wish I'd recorded it. This one time, he and this uh, guy who used to be in the youth group, uh, Carl McConaughey's son, Grant, um, he's, he lives in uh, Springfield now. Springfield, right? Yeah. Um, but he and Jeremy were in the sound booth right back there where Hannah and Josh are sitting right now. And uh, they were sitting in these chairs, and nobody was here. The church was all dark. Sanctuary lights were off. And they were sitting in those chairs there and uh, working on something on the computer. And I was here, and I knew they were in there. And so I uh, sneaked through one of these doors over here and, like, crawled underneath the counter back there. And then they had the lights on in the sound booth, but, you know, there's no lights on out here. And so I just, like, slowly came up over the counter like this. And... And Grant and Jeremy, they screamed so loud. And they were trying to get away through that wall. Like, they kicked their chairs over backwards. They were, both of their chairs fell over. 
And they were like trying to claw their way through the wall to get away. I have never scared anybody that satisfactorily in my life. I, I used to, Erica Trussell Waite used to do the sermon slides during the week in the old sanctuary. And so she'd be working up in the balcony by herself when nobody else was around and I'd sneak up the stairs and scare her and that was always great. But this just left all that behind. I mean, it was fantastic. Because when you're in a place that you're used to being lit up and, and bright and cheerful, uh, when you're there in the dark, it's so different. It's just this disorienting feeling. Um, I remember a blackout in, in my town when I was growing up, and I've, I've used this story a lot. You might have heard me tell it before, but I grew up in Mission, Kansas, and, and uh, Johnson Drive, in, if you grew up in Mission, Johnson Drive was kind of like 54 is to Eldo kids, you know, it's just the road you drive on to go everywhere. And um, I was so used to it being lit up from all the stores and parking lot lights and everything, but we had a blackout for three or four days after an ice storm, and it was like it was like post-apocalyptic almost because you'd drive down Johnson Drive and the police would be parked at every major stoplight, you know, and and they had their lights flashing and the orange traffic wands directing the traffic because the stoplights weren't working and. And it just felt so bizarre. Like I could have driven it with my eyes closed, but I could hardly even tell where to go because it was it just it was so weird and so different. And uh, I, I would challenge some of you, if you think if you are laughing too much at Jeremy, to come here at night, right after the sun sets, and just sit in the dark in the old sanctuary by yourself. Because those laminated wooden beams up there, as after the sun sets, they start cooling down and they start creaking and cracking. Right, And so just sit in the old sanctuary in the Family Life Center by yourself right after sunset in the dark and then see if you laugh at Jeremy quite as much for being jumpy in the dark church. Um, things are different in the dark. Things are weird. Things are... Things are it's, it's impossible to see the way. It's impossible sometimes to see what's real and what isn't. And normally rational people... You get them out somewhere in the dark and something unexplained, something unusual starts happening and they'll jump to all sorts of weird conclusions that they normally wouldn't jump to, right? And I, you know, I laugh at Jeremy, but man, I'm, I'm pretty jumpy myself when I'm out in the dark in the woods by myself, you know, and like when you get out and go out to sit in a deer stand well before the sun comes up and it's totally pitch black. You can imagine some stuff walking through the woods by yourself without any lights, trying to trying to sneak out there without the deer waking up, you know. There's there's a lot of analogies that we could use here, but you you get where I'm you get what I'm saying. In darkness, it's hard to see where to go. It's hard to see things for what they are. And the world is a dark place sometimes. And the darkness isn't just in the world around us. The darkness is also rooted deeply in our hearts. And there's this philosophy out there, no, you know, no, people are basically good. We just we're messed up by our environment. And I would say no, that's not true. That's Disney movie philosophy, probably, that people are basically good and you just have to follow your heart. But the scripture says that the human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And I would say the darkness isn't just in the world around us, it's, it's also in our hearts. I've talked to a lot of teenagers and, that were in trouble in various ways who say something along the lines of, 
man, it's just, I got to get away from this bad crowd around here in El Dorado. And that can happen. That definitely can happen. But at some point, you start, you have to stop looking at the bad crowd and start realizing, you know what? I'm the bad crowd. <laughs> um, at some point, you have to recognize the darkness in your own heart for what it is. That's not something we like to do. We like to cover it over by working hard, dressing well, pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, developing a good reputation, being a solid citizen, a patriotic American, all that stuff. And we do all that to kind of try to gloss over that darkness that's rooted deeply in our hearts. But the fact is it's there. And it's not going anywhere unless we get a light to shine into that darkness. I heard someone say once that your real character comes out when it's dark. Um, and I read a story about the, the ways that they've changed the policies in New York City when there's a blackout. In 1977, they had a major blackout, and there was just mass looting, burning, stealing throughout New York City. Um, and there was, like, knife fights in the streets. Looters were stealing from looters. And, you know, you say, well, yeah, that's just the criminal classes coming out in the dark. No, Well, there was people that got arrested for looting who, like, were executives in major corporations, like people who otherwise wouldn't steal a pack of gum from a gas station were arrested for looting during that blackout. And because in in the dark, it's easy to hide what's happening, isn't it? It got so bad that the city developed this elaborate plan for blackouts. And now, I mean, when there's a blackout, it's National Guard, every police officer, every firefighter is on duty they lock the city down. When there's a blackout in part of the city, it's basically the police state, like we in Cedar County would look at and say, oh, yeah, it's the government taking control. Um, But if you lived there, I think you'd be glad they did it. Because they realize without the threat of severe consequences, there's a darkness in our hearts that responds to the darkness in this world. And if you're honest, you realize in the moments when everything is quiet, when the distractions are gone, that you're no exception. We all started out in this world with darkness inside us. So like we said, in the creation story, everything starts with darkness. But then God says, let there be light. And over the next several thousand years, that's how it goes. In the history of God's relationship with His people, there are people lost, wandering in the dark, and over and over again, God steps in. Psalm 107, 10-14 Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So He subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. But the tension is always there. God steps in, brings light in dark places. But His people keep turning away, and once again we're lost, wandering in darkness. And that you see that in the history of the nation of Israel, throughout their history. But then God begins to hint toward a plan for something big. In the writings of the prophets in the Old Testament, they continually call the nation of Israel back to God. But even in the hopelessness, when they describe in graphic detail just the horrible sins that the nation of Israel is participating in, there's this undercurrent of something coming. 
There's a great light that's coming. And then Jesus was born under the light of a brightly shining star. And He lived His life, teaching us how to live walking in His light, coming as the true light of the world. Then after one momentous week in Jerusalem, all hell was unleashed. The greatest assault of evil and darkness in the history of the universe centered on this man Jesus, the light of the world, walking around in a human body. And in the cover of darkness one night, He was illegally arrested. Through the darkness of that night, He was illegally placed on trial three times. He was beaten, spit on, mocked. Then early in the morning, He was condemned to die. He was nailed to a cross. And then with all the darkness of hell unleashing its fury on Him, Matthew records this moment at the turning point in history. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. Darkness in the middle of the day. It doesn't say that there was storm clouds that rolled in. It doesn't say that there was just a cloudy day. It just says darkness came over all the land. And depending on how you look at the calendar there, some people say that God sent a solar eclipse that day during the crucifixion. But darkness came over all the land. Jesus was hanging on the cross, the light of the world shrouded in darkness, evil having its greatest party. The eternal struggle between light and darkness looks lost. The darkness in this world is complete. The darkness in our hearts has no cure. Our addictions will strangle us. Our sin will condemn us. The light of hope is gone. But Satan didn't realize that the death of the Son of God was the deep darkness just before the dawn. And all the voices of the prophets echoing through the centuries were leading to this moment. Isaiah chapter 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and His glory appears over you. Isaiah 60, verse 19, The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Malachi chapter 4, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. And then John's Gospel takes up the theme, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And that could be translated, the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not defeated it. But I like the way that says it. The darkness has not understood it. The darkness seems so powerful so much of the time in our world. The darkness seems so unconquerable so much of the time. But darkness can't even understand light. Darkness fights against light with everything it has, but it can't even understand it. The devil fights every one of us as hard as he can, but he can't even comprehend the light of the world, Jesus Christ. He is a defeated foe, and he can't understand why. He can't figure it out. The darkness has not understood it. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So Jesus was hanging on the cross and it looked like darkness had won. But then early on Sunday morning, the forces of darkness lost the battle. The stone in front of Jesus' tomb was rolled away 
light comes leaping out of the tomb, announcing that this Son of Righteousness has risen, and He brings healing for the darkness in our hearts. Light won. Jesus rose. There is hope. There is light for the darkness in this world. There's the promise that Jesus' resurrection power will one day come and make the whole world right again. That the same power that raised Him from death will one day make all things new. And the God who created light will one day create a new earth where God will be our everlasting light. And in the meantime, yes, sometimes we have to deal with the darkness in the world. But there's light for the darkness in our hearts. The choice is placed squarely in our hands. John three nineteen. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. 1 John 2.9 Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Verse 11 Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. In the light, you see things how they really are. And this can be scary because we're ashamed of how we really are sometimes. So many of us never actually come to the light. We just try to cover our darkness with a good exterior. Even people who come to church will sit through an uncomfortable sermon on Sunday. And some of us will squirm and try to get as far away from Pastor Joe as possible. I've told you this before. Did you know these chairs migrate that way? They do. Over weeks and months, all the chairs go that way slowly. Except the front row because nobody ever uses the front row. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. We come in here and we, we, every so often we come in here and measure. We've got these marks that we measure from. And we move all the chairs about the back row is, gets moved like five, six feet forward. Um, every three, four months we do this. Because when we come in here and we, Pastor Joe starts talking to us about something, we kind of unconsciously start scooting away. <laughs> and I'm preaching to you guys, but where do I end up? Most of the time in the sound booth. <laughs> I can duck behind a counter. <laughs> and that's why Mike works back there too. Don't, don't tell him I said that. Just kidding. But yeah, we, we come and, and we, we try to scoot out as quickly as possible when church is over because we don't want to talk to Pastor Joe maybe. And we sigh with relief when it's over and just put it out of our minds as quickly as possible. And we might say, oh yeah, you know, I go to that church over there. I pray all the time call ourselves Christians, but we never actually face the darkness that's deep in our hearts. Never ask God to shine His light in and show every dark, shameful thing for what it is because that can be scary. It's like somebody developing all the symptoms of a horrible disease, but continually refusing to go and get checked out. And we've seen this. Sometimes somebody dies of a treatable, preventable disease because they were too afraid to find out what the problem actually was. It's natural. We're just, we're afraid to find out how deep the disease goes. We're afraid to find out just how deep the darkness in ourselves is. We're afraid to see the ugly truth of our own sin and darkness. We're afraid of the dark, but we're also afraid of the light. That's no way to live. Psalm 107, some sat in darkness, the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains, for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. We read already this passage and how it turns around and there's hope at the end of it. But that 
If you stop at that point, man, that's a rough place to be. Running from the light. We blame this darkness in ourselves on all the darkness in the world. We want so badly to believe that it's not our fault, that there's nothing we can do because this world is such a dark place. This last Wednesday in youth group and on our buses, it was kind of a rough week. We had near all-time highs, I would say, of disrespect from some of the middle school, disrespect for the leaders, but but even for the other students in youth group. Um, and a couple of the high school even, um, but especially in the middle school youth group. And it continued after they left on the bus home. Um, and I went home, as some of you who volunteer on Wednesdays probably did as well, I went home feeling defeated and hopeless and just kind of oppressed by this heavy, pressing darkness of it all. And, there, I mean, there was really good stuff that happened Wednesday too. Um, I was really, really proud of... Uh, Several of our student leaders, um, and I see some of them sitting right here this morning. I, I was so proud of you guys on Wednesday, and and I think I think you um, the the leaders just did a fantastic job, even though it was so discouraging in some ways. And and several of our students that that come and and really are respectful and really do listen. Um, I hope that the experience wasn't too ruined for you guys on Wednesday. And I don't, I don't think it necessarily was, but, but for those of us who were in leadership, we had to deal with some things that were just very sad this last Wednesday. Well, after that happened, I was talking to some of the leaders and I decided I needed to call Tiffany Barr. She's the middle school counselor, um, because something serious came out from one of the students that night. Um, and one of the other leaders was talking to me, um, and we, we thought maybe there was a need for some serious professional counseling in, in that case specifically. And without saying too much about she knew about that situation and uh, she's on top of it. And we're very, we're very blessed, by the way, to have the Christian teachers, staff members that we do have at, at our school. Um, Tiffany Barr, the middle school counselor, is, is just a fantastic Christian lady. Um, I have a lot of confidence in her. Uh, Shaney Thompson would not want me to say anything about her, but she comes to second service, so I can tell you all she's fantastic as well. She's the high school counselor. Um, and just the way that they deal with these kids in crisis continually um, is really great. Um, but while I was talking to Mrs. Barr, she she told me something really cool. She told me she hears good things about our youth ministry and bus ministry all the time from some of the worst problem kids. Um, and at first I was embarrassed because some of her most frequent customers or behavior problems are some of our most frequent attenders here on Wednesdays. But she said whenever she talks to these kids who are a serious behavior problem, she asks them something along the lines of, you know, what are the good things in your life? What are the, who are the people who make you feel safe? And our ministry comes up a lot in those conversations. And like after the rough Wednesday we had, man, I really needed to hear that. And I was thanking God for that. But So, yeah, Wednesday night life youth leaders, um, thank you. Those who serve the kids club workers, the bus ministry volunteers, if you feed the kids on Wednesdays, serve here when kids ministry on Sundays, thank you for what you do. I know it's frustrating sometimes, but you are making a difference. Um, And I'm going to tell some of you individually about what Mrs. Barr said about the impact that you've had on some of these kids that I had no idea, um, which is, is really cool. But she also said that in the cases, you know, in our community, we have an unusually high ratio of uh, just troubled, 
kids and troubled teens. Um, and she said that in, the, in, these, in, the, in these families, um, and please, I, I don't want to trigger any, any uh, just sadness for some of you that, that have dealt with this in your family. Um, I want to be careful here, but she she told me that that in the cases where there's kids with serious behavior problems, often holidays are really bad um, because these behavior problems stem from obviously problems at home, and uh, holidays are often really bad. And I knew that before, but I didn't connect it to this last Wednesday night until she said it. For most of us, Thanksgiving weekend, you know, means time to relax and enjoy family and such. And for many of these kids. Thanksgiving weekend means just dodging people that hang around the home. Um, aunts, uncles, even parents, other family, assorted hangers-on, I guess. Often the adults in their lives get ridiculously drunk and even high over holiday weekends and become dangerous emotionally, physically, even sexually sometimes. And we came back this last Wednesday night after two weeks of no youth group because we had the community Thanksgiving service the week before and then, you know, the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving we didn't have youth group. So we came back after two weeks of no youth group. And for many of these kids, two weeks is enough time for their whole world to totally rearrange, everything to be different. And we've heard stories from some of these kids about being beaten savagely for standing on the wrong rug in the room. Um... Some kids are given drugs at very young ages to keep them quiet. Um, I'm talking about under the age of two. Um, we've heard stories about. I, I don't want. I don't want to belabor this too much, but just you know, sexual abuse, crazy things. Who knows what happened in the last two weeks? You know. And then we came back Wednesday night, and and I think we saw some of the outflow of that. And after this coming Wednesday night, we're taking two more weeks off for Christmas. And we need to. That's, you know. And I know we have another challenge ahead for some of these students. And so when I emailed our youth leaders this week, I asked them to just fight for our kids in prayer over the next couple of weeks. Make themselves reminders, you know, and choose one or two kids to pray some serious intercessory soul cry prayers for. Because it's true that statistically many of the kids that we minister to every week have very little chance. Because the world is a very dark place. But there is hope. And we've seen lives turned around here on Sundays. You've seen it. We've seen kids who statistically have no chance find hope in Jesus. We've seen them grab onto it and hold onto it. And there are some cases where kids that come from terrible backgrounds seem like they're doing great for a while and then they just they tank and they, they, they fall off the wagon. But don't give up hope in those cases either because their world is being turned upside down on a monthly basis sometimes. But once they see the light, then that's always in there and that's always something that they can turn back to. And we've seen cases where kids were just up and down, up and down all through their teen years. And then when they, when they finally kind of got out on their own, they were able to make a stand and establish themselves following Jesus. And I'm thinking of one young man right now who, uh, who just graduated from college and is doing great. He's serving in a kid's ministry and he's, 
he doesn't live here in El Dorado anymore, which is really good for him um, because of his background. But um, just there is hope because even though the world is a very dark place, Jesus has already won the battle. John 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The world may be a dark place. And we can't solve these problems. I, I want so badly to like fix kids that are broken. You know what I mean? And I can't. I'm, I'm not Jesus. You know, but he is. Is that a shocking statement? Jesus actually is Jesus. Ugh. We have to realize the darkness has no hold on us if we'll come to the light. I told you we'd get to 1 John chapter 1, and we're almost done with the message, and we're finally there. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you God is light, in him there is no darkness. At all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Are you walking in darkness? Come to the light. You may say, you know, Jim, you don't know the darkness I'm dealing with. No, I may not. But I know who the light of the world is. You may have been coming to church for a long time, but the darkness just keeps coming back and you're about to give up. Come to the light. Let Him shine His light into the deepest part of you, the darkest, most shame-filled part of you. You may have been coming to church for a long time and you're really doing your best to live for Jesus. Remember the darkness that you've been brought from and how you've been blessed with His light in your life. Remember that it's not through any works of righteousness that we have done, but through His mercy, His grace, He saved us. Come to the light. Live in the light. Walk in the light. Let Him shine His light into every part of your heart, every part of your life. Come to the light. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the light that You shine into the darkness of our world and into the darkness of our own hearts. We thank You for the light coming as a baby in a manger and living a life as an example for us and then giving us Himself for us as a sacrifice to pay the death penalty our sins deserve. And then thank You that You defeated darkness and death once and for all when You rose from the grave and that that resurrection power is available to us as well. God, thank You for Your light. In Your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You are... It's time for some school. And I uh, hope you all have a great week and a great Christmas season. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.